The reading today is from Luke's Gospel. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined on a table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume upon them. When the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is, who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back, so he forgave both the debts. Now, which of them did he love more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt given. You have judged correctly, said Jesus. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into this house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that can forgive sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Such a vivid picture. You know, I always think it's so essential, the idea of, a woman crying on a man's feet and then wiping the feet with her hair and then anointing that whole sensuality. And and the Pharisees, representing the men, horrified at the difficulty they had in dealing with the fact that all the laws were being broken. Well, Father's Day is actually a U.S. 20th century invention. Unlike Mother's Day, uh, it's probably been um, pushed forward by the card-making industry and various people like that. It's, it's a, a good thing, though. It's now happening all the way around the world, but it is a 20th century invention. It's worth saying that. But it is an opportunity to honour fatherhood, manhood, and the role it plays in family and society. And that's what we're really here to do today. It's also important to say that You know, Father's Day, like Mother's Day, is a source of pain for many. There are those who were not able to have children and become fathers. Those whose fathers have died. Those whose fathers were absent or even abusive. And, you know, there is that difficulty there with both Mother's Day and Father's Day. I'm a father. However, interesting enough, I never experienced having one. My father died when I was two, so 
I never knew him. I grew up in a single parent family without a father. And the lack of a father has, you know, has had a huge impact on my life. And I think that itself shows the effect that fathers have on their children. You know, in some way in my life, without a father, I felt rudderless. That, that guiding sense wasn't there. I can remember I, I'd always ask my mother, you know, what should I do? What should I read at university? Or, she'd always say, oh, darling, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> that's the most important thing. But that, that wasn't what I wanted. You know, I did want that guidance. And it's interesting to see, you know, famous people who, who've grown up with absent fathers, you know, the effect it has on them. Barack Obama, Steve Jobs, Jack Nicholson, Marilyn Monroe, Amazon's Jeff Bezos and Angelina Jolie, they all had absent fathers. It does have an effect. And, and you know, in this case, I think a drive by what Jung called the search for the father effect. There's that search for what was missing. On the negative side, fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse, mental illness, suicide, poor educational performance, teen pregnancy, and criminality. And maybe a different sort of search for external sources of self-esteem. So it's, it's big, the whole father thing. So what is it to be a father? It's quite a bone of contention, I think, that God is described as father. And I, I think it's fairly erroneous as well. There's no reason why that divine spirit should be either a he or a she or an it. The idea is that, obviously, divinity, I think, is beyond gender. However, there's no getting away that Jesus did say, our father. And religion is pretty unanimous in declaring the masculinity of God. You know, Jews, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, you know, there's a huge focus on the male. And that obviously, you know, has quite a negative side, that whole idea of the patriarchy, the affirmation of the supremacy, supposedly, of the male, you know, reflected in the custom of primogeniture, you know, the male line being the one that inherits. And really, up till only five years ago, in England, only male heirs could inherit the king, you know, become sovereign. The fact that the queen was the heir meant she could. But up till then, if, there was a, you know, if, if uh, Charles had had a, a girl first, she would, have beca- she would not have become queen. It would have been the male. But they changed that by act of parliament. However, there is also the idea, as well as all that maleness and having the upper hand, there's also the idea very much of fatherly care and that idea of God being male and, and fatherly that's in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it says a father to the fatherless, describes God in the Old Testament as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, Is God in his holy dwelling a father to the fatherless? And Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him stone? Or if they ask for a fish, would give him a snake? And there is this idea, I think, for fatherliness of care and order. Care and order. 
And I think that also goes with the creation care of the order of the universe, the cosmos. Literally, that word cosmos means, in the Greek, the order of the world, the orderliness. And if you're going to put you know, your, my finger on the one thing related to the fathers, it would be a caring and providing a caring and orderly life. One that embodies physical strength as opposed to the more fecund weave strength that comes from femininity. There is an energy and an adaptability and a freedom that comes with the energy of the father. A bit like that idea that in order to play football, you've got to have rules. The father gives the context in love for the rules to be present. In the, in the positive, the father can bring an order out of chaos. Peter was the rock that Jesus built the church on. And that word Peter comes from the Greek word petros, which means stone. So the idea of that stone that the church was built on, I think rock, fathers can be rocks that families are built on, that, that communities are built on. And it may not just be the male, you know, that brings order and stability. In many cases, it's the woman that also provides the fatherly role. So it's not just men that provide the fatherly role, the order and chaos. I said to someone, I think women provide order and chaos. They said, well, not the men that I know. (laughs) They're chaotic, but there is a sense of that order and chaos in that fatherliness. So on Mother's Day, we give flowers and chocolates and things like that. And I thought, what do we give on Father's Day? You know, golf clubs and CDs are a bit expensive, I think. So I looked around, and I'm afraid to say that on Father's Day, and I'll give you a reason, we're going to be giving out stones. And I'll I'll give you the thought and reason behind this uh, in a moment. But we're going to be we're going to be giving out stones. That that sense of order that's provided there. The idea that the father can provide the rock for many around them. And not just families. You know, look at all, you know, buddy program, things like that, where where there's a need for a, a male role model. Men, as men, our real power, I think, comes from when we use it with soft hearts rather than hard hearts. When we have that power, when we use it with soft hearts rather than hard hearts. The idea that wisdom is knowledge informed by love. Knowledge informed by love. And similarly, the power of men to create order and stability has to be informed by love and not a desire for control, a softness, a willingness to be vulnerable. And with men, that's difficult because we always want to control things. But if we're able to be vulnerable, then we can actually bring a sense of love into that. that the two commandments, love your... Lord, you'll go with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We create order out of service, and that's where that power comes from. And Jesus was the same. He was known as the humble king. He did not seek equality with God, but made himself nothing. And this is the template, I think, for what it means to be true fathers. That that passage from Luke that I read says it clearly. There is Jesus with all his followers and scribes and Pharisees, when who should appear among them but a sinful woman? Now, she's probably beautiful, voluptuous, 
She carried with her wonderful perfume. And the men around her were probably going mad at the sensuality of what was there. Their senses were thrown into chaos by what was before them. And then the woman wets Jesus' feet with her tears and pours the perfume on her feet and wipes her, his feet with her hair. Can you think of anything more sensuous? And the male Pharisees are by this time full of confusion and unhelpful emotions. Their whole body screams to get the woman out of there. Law, law, law. That's what they say. And Jesus is unaffected by that threat. His his love, that sensuality, he only sees her pain and everything that the woman is giving. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet. You didn't kiss me. She kissed me. Jesus knows the law, but his interpretation is informed by love. And as fathers, our duty is to create order with love. Our maleness and our fatherliness, whether we're men or women, must be informed by a soft-hearted love that doesn't burn women at the stake out of fear, but creates order that will care for all. An order that sees the roles that men and women play as a way that empowers all of us. So as fathers, we do have that role of creating law and order, of being the rock upon which families are built. However, we need to realize there must be a balance and service enables us to create that balance. Our role is to be that care and order together, not abusing, but nurturing and providing an environment for children to grow in love and self-esteem. And each of us, each of us will have a different way of doing that. Each of us men will have a different quality in doing that. Some you know, to be open-minded, some to be strong, some to be loving, fair, giving, teaching, encouraging, available, accepting. Maybe as a man, you can think of a quality that you would like to embody. And we have a role to play alongside that of women. We complement each other, male and female, both. So we're going to do a little, like, men thing at the moment. We're going to do something. So now this, this is going to be embarrassing. I'm going to say right from the beginning, you're going to think, no, I don't want to do this. But I would like all the men and boys to stand up in the room at the moment. Would you all please stand up? All the men and boys, and there'll be lots of you standing up. Okay, good. Stand up, all men and boys, and up, up there as well. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like a woman to come and be with that man. So I want one woman for every man. So if the woman, if you've got a partner here or a father or a daughter, you may like to, just why don't you come down and be with Samuel. What, why don't you, if you, I'd like a woman to be with that man. So women, would you go and find a man and stand opposite him, please? And you don't have to know that man, but I want you to do that. Woman at the front, Sasha, here. There we are. No, that's good. That's man here, can we have... There we are. You've got someone with you there. Good. Man here, please. A woman, please, can you come round? Are you with a man? There we are. That's good. Now, have you got someone over here, please? There's a man over there that needs a... Right, is every man... There we are. You've all got... Any any man not got a woman as yet? Anyone? Everybody got one? Okay, I'd like to introduce yourself... To your, the man, if you're not with a man, it doesn't matter because you'll be part of this. Introduce yourself. And now women and boys, I would like to come, girls, women and girls, and men up there. I hope you've got men, women together up there, Aspenoise. Good. 
I'd like the women to come and I'd like to find a stone for your man from the front here, please. So come to the front, women, and find a stone. And go back to your... And a pen, and a pen, please, as well. Sorry? Yes, you can. And a pen, you need a pen and a stone. There are pens there and there are stones, please. Find a pen and a stone and go back to your man. Choose a stone for your man. That's it. Good. Right, you're going to need your service sheets as well, so make sure you've got a service sheet with you as well. Remember, we are honouring the men. One stone and one pen you should have. You don't have to open the pens yet. Put the pens down next to you on the chair, please. You don't need the pens for the moment. No, keep the pens, but you don't need them with you. Take the pens, but keep them with you. Right. One stone per man and a pen. Okay. Right, now, so if you put the pens down and have your service sheet like this and be with your man, and if you're not, if you haven't got a man with you, you can, you, you can, you're going to say the words in heavy type. Now, what we're going to do is there's going to be a prayer for the stones, and at a certain point, I'm going to ask the women, you've got two stones here. Yeah, that's right. So you're going to, at some point, you're going to put the stone on the man's forehead like this. So... I'm going to bless the stone. It says, divine spirit, blah, blah, blah. For those who've shown, blah, blah, blah. Bless you be the name of sons. We lift this stone, it says at the bottom, from the streams to the foreheads of the men and boys of our lives. And at that point, you put the stone on there and you keep the stone on just for the next bit where you're touching the man with this stone. The stone represents that manhood. So, so get ready when you're ready to put the stone. Actually, it's very funny because the Jewish community said, uh, saw me with all these stones. They said, what are you doing with that? I said, well, we're, we found someone in an adultery. We're going to stone them outside. Would you like to join us? <laughs> anyway, so that's what we're going to do. You're going to honour those men with your, your stones. So I'm going to say this. And your bits are the bit in heavy type. Your men, you don't have to say anything. Divine Spirit, we lift this day our gratitude for the loving men who have brought us the precious heart of your Father love. We give thanks to you this day. We also together for those who have shown us kindness, for those who have shown us courage, for those who have shown us generosity, for those who have shown us truth, for those who have shown us compassion, for those who have shown us faith, for those who have shown us love. Blessed be the name of all sons and brothers and fathers who reveal a glimpse of your loving presence on earth. Great Spirit, you inspire your people in the ways of kindness that lift our world from its disgrace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer for every son, brother, father, grandfather who has suffered and endured. We lift a stone from the stream bed of living waters to the forehead of the men and boys of our lives and touch the stone. And then we say, touching each forehead with the sign of your healing. 
for every broken heart hidden from view, for every secret shame buried in darkness, for every untold story of regret and alienation. We touch this stone, the brow of every man who has suffered for those he loved. We touch with this stone the forehead of our ancestral fathers who sacrificed their very lives. We invite you to heal the wars and woes and wickedness within, inviting your everlasting peace that the world might know your peace. Now, women, would you give the stone to your men? I am the pen as well. They need the pen. So the stone and the pen, you may now sit down. Men, you should all have a stone and a pen in your hand. And you all may sit down now. Now, what I want you to do, men, is there's going to be some music and burbling and stuff like that over the next uh, little period of time. So you've got this pen, and what I'd like you to do on that stone is to write the quality that you would like to embody on that stone, the quality of fatherness that you feel that you would like to embody in your life. And you can draw little things on it, maybe flowers or something like that. You can also, the pen is there just to draw on it. And um, the stones are, are going to be for you to keep. So you can have them on, men always like things on their desks. And so you can, you can have it on your desk. And, uh, and so I want you to write on it the, the particular quality over this next period of time that you would like uh, to embody uh, and, to, and have. So let's pray. Just take a few moments just to think of those who are not free from danger. We particularly think of all those affected by the violence at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. We think of the LGBT community, the fear and difficulty that's going on down there at the moment. And we lift them up. We lift up the family of Joe Cox, the UK Member of Parliament, killed last week. And all those who've suffered violence and difficulty over this last period of time. We pray for our world that men will be open-hearted and kind-hearted. Pray that your love may be in all our hearts. And we pray for those in our community who are suffering. Philip Hodgson, Patricia Hill, Barbara Orcutt, Georgia Ortiz, Will Welsh, Carly Nelson, Maureen Hirsch, Elise Strickland and Carter. John Waller, Erin Tully, Susan Walker and Sharon Wells, Paula Nurchell, family of Bernard Phillips who died recently. Lord, we just pray that you bring your love into our hearts and enable us to love each other and therefore cause your love in, to come into the world. We pray this in your holy name. 
Amen.